have you heard? The Birds, the Word. Section 336. The next generation of Baltimore sports talk. Hey guys, have you checked out 336 Daily? Did you know that sometimes, in fact, pretty often, I've been recording it in my car while driving to different job sites? That's how easy Anchor is to make podcasts. With Anchor, you can record your podcast and edit your podcast and upload your podcast all in the Anchor app, and then it makes sure it goes after iTunes and Spotify and wherever you need to put it. It They take care of everything, distribution, they help you with advertising and getting in commercials. Check out the Anchor app. Go to the App Store and download the Anchor app for free or go to anchor.fm to check it out. It's time for Section 336. Yo, Section 336, Baltimore's best. The number one podcast, forget the rest. Matt Burton, Josh, welcome to guests. The Ravens are back, no nonsense defense. So tune in every week, hear the stories get told. The Super Bowl chance, crushing the Steelers and Colts. It's the time of the year for the purple pain. So sit back, let this podcast tickle your brain. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Baltimore sports fans of all ages, welcome to Section 336, Next Generation of Baltimore Sports Talk. I am your endearingly stuttering host, Matt Sroka. As always, I'm joined by the zany Bert Rohde. What up, Coconuts? And the button lover, Josh Sroka. How are you guys doing up north? Hot. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, it's hot down here, too. It's always yeah. hot down here. Welcome to the first today. day of fall. Welcome to the first day of fall. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the cooler weather. I'm ready. Yeah. We're leaving. We need to leave baseball weather and get into football weather. Absolutely. You know, I went. <laughs> I was about to tell you guys something stupid. I uh, I had some friends over to watch the Ravens game yesterday, and we decided amongst ourselves at halftime we'll go out in my yard and throw the football around. So once they went to the locker room and they went to commercial, I set a timer for 15 minutes on my phone. We went outside, started throwing the football around, and I literally pulled out my phone, and it still set 11 more minutes to go. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> we played catch for exactly four minutes before we got tired of it. It was too hot, and I'm getting too old, so we went back inside. <laughs> you know, I also went outside and played catch with the football this weekend. Oh, yeah? Because I went to I went to Alabama for the weekend. Alabama. Because I, I had a wedding in the Roll Gulf, Gulf Shores, right. Alabama, which is – basically like the outer banks of alabama nice southern outer banks so <laughs> so it was a nice beach wedding uh but i was there staying at like the wedding venue and everything so had some extra time on the beach so went out and threw the football around on the beach uh much nicer weather when you've got that breeze coming in off the golf yeah i'd imagine that's four minutes <laughs> yeah yeah it lasted a little bit more than four minutes but we had this little plastic you know like the rubber cheap like five dollar footballs uh-huh that's what we had and it was it's so much wind coming in off the golf that you'd have to throw it like into the wind so that you could get a nice curve to the first person you were throwing it to. <laughs> hey, you know, Bert, the Ravens were two and zero when we watched it together at my dad's house. True. You decided to watch somewhere else, and all of a sudden the Ravens lose. Do you want to take some responsibility for the loss? No, because I watched Week One at Looney's Pub in Perry Hall. 
and they won. And then week two, I watched it with you and they won. So now I started to think I couldn't watch the game in the consecutive places two weeks in a row. Ah. So I'd switch it up again. And I, I still wore the same jersey. I've been wearing the same Ed Reed jersey for every game. So not only is the non-consecutive location streak broken, but the Ed Reed streak is broken as well. So I, I could probably watch the game. I don't back, know. Back to the drawing board. Yeah. My wife is going to the game on Sunday, so maybe that'll start a new streak where she has to go to every game. She going without you? Yeah, it's her and her girlfriends. Oh, that's messed up. Yeah, I don't really care. I'd rather watch it at home, <laughs> to be honest. Right. It's it's a better right. Better party I'm, at the stadium, better view at home. Yeah, I'm I'm literally couldn't care less that I'm not going to the game. I'd much rather watch it at home. Okay. I don't know. After I, this week, I, after this week, is it time for me to jump on the Jags bandwagon? With this uh, Minshew guy had a real fun Thursday night. Minshew, Josh, yeah. You're the only person who pays attention who cares at all about the Jags. So actually, go ahead, jump on the bagwagon. No one cares about Minshew. It's actually funny of, how many people down there don't care. I beg to differ. I think a lot of people cared about the Jaguars when uh, Jalen Ramsey's demanding a trade. Right, right, exactly. I don't think he's getting traded anymore. What do you think about that rumor that the Ravens offered him a first-round pick, a second-round pick, and Jalen Hurst? All for, I thought it was uh, a first, a third, and Hurst. I heard first and second. Oh, okay. All right, first, second, and, and Hayden Hurst. Oh, yeah, I said Jalen. I meant Hayden Hurst. Yeah, yeah for Jalen. Yeah. yeah. Former first-round pick. I think there's no way that offered that they offered that because the Jags would be silly to turn that down. And I also think that if I'm the Ravens, I would have no problem giving all that up because this is probably Jimmy Smith's last year and you would have that guy under control for a few more years. The best thing you're trying to do in the draft would be to draft a guy like him. So why not trade draft picks to get one that already turned out? We've had too many draft picks that don't turn out. I, I tend to agree. Uh, I mean, you're getting a first-round talent under contract for at least another year or so. Uh, that uh, It's two or three more years. It's a bunch. Yeah, it's Two and, years? Yeah, I think it's two years. And you're giving up a tight end when you're already stacked at tight end. Um, so, uh, yeah, if, they, if the Jags don't want to take that, you're, they're not going to get a better offer than that. Yeah. I, I mean, I believe that the Ravens did offer it. or I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I mean, sure. the Jags came out and said they want two first-round picks. And that's not bad. And also, like, they probably would rather have it from a team that's not the Ravens because the Ravens, that first round pick is going to be a really, you know, high, it's going to be a low draft pick. It's going to be down in the, the 20s or sure. 30s, that draft pick, as opposed to another team. But then, uh, you know, the Jaguars should consider it as Hayden Hurst is, is a first round talent or at least has the potential yeah. to be. We're just maybe not using him uh, to the extent that he's capable of just because. Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle are pretty outstanding uh, on their own. Yeah, the, it's, it's true. And the only teams that would give up, like that's a high demand, two first rounds. The only sure. teams that are going to give that up are teams who believe they're close and they're a playoff team that they are close to winning the Super Bowl in the next three years. So oh. that's where you're going to hear it from the Ravens, the Chiefs. You're not going to you're not going to see a crappy team give up two first rounds. Oh, really? Then pray tell me, Josh. Why did the Pittsburgh Steelers minus Big Ben just trade a fourth, a first rounder for Fitzpatrick? Because they think they're mm-hmm. because that's not a one year deal. They think Big Ben's going to be back next year, and they really believe in this other. They really believe in this backup guy. Uh, I forget his name. Rudolph. Rudolph. 
Yeah, they're not because because they were thinking next year, not this year. Did someone Same be thinking next year with Jalen Ramsey? Yeah, sure. Right. But what team's bad enough that, that they're like one piece away that wouldn't be better than a draft pick? I don't know. Someone like the, um, the Panthers maybe or the Saints maybe, but not that they lost Rubies for a little while. I don't know. Just just talking here. Just talking. <laughs> and and the, the Steelers didn't give up two first rounds. They gave up That's, one. They gave up one. Yeah. yeah. Well, two is double. So you're asking them to give up double what they gave up for the guy. Well, yeah. I mean, you got to think that Ramsey's better than Fitzpatrick to do that. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, it's, it's done now. Is, also, is Ramsey staying with the Jaguars, Josh? Josh, you got the inside information down there in Jackson. Yeah, what, what's the is local Ramsey news? Staying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the local news down here. I haven't found the sports talk station. I keep meaning to Google it and figure out what it is because I don't have time to just press the buttons on the radio to scroll through too many commercials. But I do watch the local, like, Eyewitness News or whatever they call it down here, the the local television news. I the watch local that. Marty Bass. Yeah, I watch that, and so that gives me my updates. And when I was getting ready for the uh, Ravens game, they were doing some like local Jags talk or something on there. So the talk is that the owner went and met with Ramsey, and they kind of worked things out. That Ramsey likes the owner, he likes the Jags, he doesn't like one of the coaches. And that's his issue. So they're working it out, and that they and the local talk is that they are not going to trade him. That he's staying here in Jacksonville. All right. All right, fine. Hope he's uh, happy not going to the Super Bowl this year. All right, let's start with some Ravens talk, and then we'll get into I some Orioles news to talk about. We got to talk about MBO, and also Bert and I went to the game on Saturday, and we had an interesting experience with BJ Serhoff. Uh, but let's talk about, and we got to talk about BJ Serhoff is ticked. Uh, and we'll get into that. But Bud first, let's talk. I, I read the Bud Seelick book this weekend. He really likes Peter Angelos. I can share about that. Do you want sure to squeeze in some more Oriole talk? Yeah, but let's start with the Ravens. Fellas, we knew it was going to be a tough game. Uh, Josh was optimistic, even when they were getting crushed at halftime. Um, Bert, I haven't had a chance to talk to you at all about the game. Uh, reactions, boys, to losing to, to Kansas City by five on the road. Are you guys like this is a good loss or is this a uh, one that we like get away? Uh, Bert, you go first. What are your thoughts on the Ravens game? Uh, I think this is one you could have looked at the schedule six months ago and chalked it up to a loss. Uh, Kansas City is a dominant team. They had an excellent year last year and they're probably going to uh, have another excellent year this year. All po- all signs are pointing towards that. Pat Mahomes MVP and all that. Um, I think the Ravens made it. Uh, a close game at the end. Uh, we got, there were a few bad calls. There's a lot of complaining about that. Some really unusual coaching decisions that there's been conversations as far as uh, Harbaugh's all of a sudden playing uh money ball or statistical analytics uh, as far as two point conversions or going forward on fourth down. It was a lot of feel like I was playing Madden with the eighth grader, all the, uh, all the two point conversion attempts and going forward on fourth down. Um, whereas if you had just played it like a straight up football game, uh, we made a, we might've pulled out a win. Um, but I'm, I, I'm not upset about it. You know, like I said, I thought it could have been a loss. It was a close game. They didn't blow us out. Uh, we kept it close all the way up until the end. And, uh, I think we'll be just fine when we stick it to the Browns at home next week. Yeah. And you're right. I was positive most of the game. I love the way John Harbaugh 
called the game as far as an aggressive game viewpoint. I loved going for two early. I like. I think it was obvious that this was going to be just a high. It seemed like it was going to be a high scoring game that you'd have to get as many points as you could get. I love that aggression. I don't. I thought that some of the play calls were just stupid calls when you could have just ran it up the middle when you have to get one yard to get the two. You could instead you try to do some trickery running around with. I, I think that our defense is really bad, and that's concerning. Is there's way too many holes. It's not like the Chiefs picked apart our defense, but so did uh who did we play last week? They picked Kyler it apart. Murray, too. Arizona. Yeah, Kyler, Kyler Murray picked it apart. So when yeah. you're facing uh when you're facing the Chiefs, you can get okay, I can forgive that. But the fact that it's happened two weeks in a row makes me very concerned about our linebackers that are letting off stupid screens like that screenplay at the end of the game it was perfectly set up like a screen and we didn't have anyone there to stop it yeah. they needed nine yards nine yards and we would have had a great shot at winning that game instead um, we gave it up i mean you gotta i like the i like the fourth and two call or whatever i like that because again you're, you're trying to get it i i listened to john harbaugh's press conference today talking about going with his gut and all, but I so I liked all the I liked the decision to be aggressive. I just don't like all the plays, and yeah, I mean our defense is what lost the game, not the offense. I and you know hindsight being twenty twenty, any of those moves where he was aggressive or going forward or taking a chance, if we make them, then he looks like a genius. Um, I kept telling my friends while we were watching the game together, we went we went for two three times. And we're 0 for 3, all three. So even going into that third two-point attempt at the end of the game there, I'm like, well, statistically, if you're going to go for two three times, you're going to make it at least one out of those three times. You're so this time they're going to make two, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, that was disappointing. But uh, uh, the other thing, though, the defense did look bad, but they looked bad against the best offense in the NFL. They yes. looked bad against the MVP of the league. And, sure, Kyler Murray – kind of picked them apart, but there's a big difference between Kyler Murray and Pat Mahomes. And when I checked the final score at the end of the game, the chiefs only scored 33 points. They, they didn't get a 40 marker or they didn't drop 50 on us. Uh, you know, 33 points is respectable. They probably could have done a whole lot more if we were a worse defense. Right. And our offense put up a good amount of points as well. I mean, yeah, again, it's a team that it's week three of a completely new offense a lot of young guys on this team. We said we had the classic Raven way of of big balls being dropped. Boykin dropping one in the end zone. Uh, was it Boyle, the other guy that dropped one in the end zone? A, a few passes just went right through the receivers' hands. Right, right. The ball was there in their hands. It went. They had their hands like this, and the ball went right through it. Yep, yep. So that's the type of things that you just you need things to go that your way. Like that, you can't make too many mistakes. And the Ravens made a lot of mistakes. We haven't even talked about penalties and the fact that the Ravens just killed themselves on penalties. Uh, Mark Ingram looks spectacular. Running game's there. Yeah. The, um, now, that's the one thing with the play call on is the running. They should have ran the ball like like they would just stop running the ball and decide we're in a shootout and just start throwing the ball when they could have just ran it uh, a little bit more. Yeah, and then but that at that point in the game too was almost like a little too late. You you were playing against the clock at the same time too. Yeah, that second quarter you kind of gave up running. Yeah. Yeah, I think the second quarter after they had that big run uh, that uh, from Gus Edwards that came back. Um, after that, they 
tend to give uh, stop with the run that, and gave, gave up on the second quarter. And then they went back to it in the third quarter and fourth quarter. Uh, but at that point, it was you dug yourself such a hole. But you're right. When your running back averages 16.4 yards a carry, and the backup running back, Gus Edwards, averages 7.6 yards a carry, then you should be running the ball more than the 23 times that they ran the ball combined, those two guys. Yeah. Uh, so you would like to see them run the ball more. I feel like it's a little bit like um, this, this happens with kids all the time where you buy them like a new toy or something and they're more enamored with the box than they are with the toy. <laughs> and I think I think with John Harbaugh has all these new toys, right? Like he has Hollywood Brown, he has the electric Lamar Jackson. And sometimes I think he gets too kind of cute with all the toys when sometimes just the box simple will be the most entertaining thing or and get the job done. If the job is to entertain kids, the box will work. If the job is to score touchdowns or, or go for two and get the extra points, just run the ball up the middle. Like, I, I think there's sometimes you can get too cute when you have all these new weapons. And part of it is, like, John Harbaugh learning how to use Lamar Jackson most effectively with play calling and how to use um, uh, Hollywood Brown most effectively in the play calling. Um, and uh, So I, I think part of this is getting used to all this kind of new offense, how to use Mark Ingram most effectively. So I think part of this is getting used to all your kind of new weapons. Uh, but I, I think we were, listen, I think we were hosed by the refs. And this is, and I'm like, I saw someone on Twitter say, uh, don't be that guy that, by the refs. Don't be that guy that blames the ref uh, for the loss. But, but I, but I, I thought there was several missed calls the, the Tony Jefferson pass interference where we got the interception was ridiculous. The Willie Sneed hold was ridiculous on the long run. I just thought there was about three or four bogus calls. There were, there were a lot of holds on our line. What about the pass interference when he threw it behind the line and they still held up a pass interference for right. something that was essentially a lateral? It was the, yeah, the, the lateral, yeah. Yeah, so I think there were several calls that, you know, 50-50 calls, but it seemed like all those calls were going against us. And at like, and it wasn't just like a holding call for a five-yard gain. Like it was a pass interference when we got an interception. Like it was at these big moments in the right. game. Sure. That these penalties occurred. So I think that was unlucky. I also think Lamar Jackson, um, you guys are too afraid to say it, but I'll say it. Lamar Jackson did not play great. Josh is too afraid to say it, but Lamar Jackson did not <laughs> no, have a great passing game. He was 22 of 43. Yeah, it's his worst game as a starter. Um, this season. I think he said worst seasons last year against yeah, the Chargers. No turnovers, yeah. Um, Josh, what, I just want to ask you real quick. Um, Lamar Jackson was 22 out of, 20, out of 43. Uh, meanwhile, Joe Flacco was 20 out of 29, a much better completion percentage for Joe Flacco than Lamar Jackson this past week. Your yeah, thoughts, but I don't, I don't think Joe had any touchdowns, right? He had zero touchdowns and yeah. interception. Lamar and at least ran 200 one. 200 yards. Lamar at least ran one into the end zone, so I'm not falling for your trap. All right, I, all right. I know, I know what's going on. I'm on to your ways. I'm yeah. very careful when I'm texting you as well. But I thought our, I, I'm with you guys. I thought our defense was shredded. Lamar Jackson didn't play great. The refs kind of posed us, and we lost by five on the road. Like, and I, uh, yeah. And I thought, and I thought, um, John Harbaugh, his play calling was was not great. I don't, you know what he said after the game. John Harbaugh says, "I didn't want to play. I I wasn't going to play scared. Scared, yeah. But for me, it's the opposite. Like always going for it, right? And going for two, going. That tells me that you're scared that the Chiefs are going to score a hundred points on you. Like to me, that's playing scared when you do something different. When you yeah, go out of think... your normal game to because you're scared of the opponent's going to put up a bunch of points. I thought John Harbaugh coached scared, 
and I thought that hurt the Ravens in the long run. I don't think he coached scared. I think he coached uh, – he was um, jealous. I think he, he coached – I think he got – he bought into the ESPN the and everyone making this the Lamar versus uh, Mahomes show, Patrick versus Lamar. And I think he wanted to go out there and show, like, Mahomes who? Lamar's better. And I think that's why he was having Lamar constantly throw the ball and – and run the ball for the conversions and trying to show off. I think he wanted to show off Lamar and say, hey, my toy is shinier than your toy. Josh, do you think Lamar Jackson is better or worse than Patrick Mahomes? I think Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback we've ever seen play. Okay, that oh, is wow. insane. <laughs> I'd say he's I the think, best quarterback this year. <laughs> I think he is the best I think he's the best quarterback of this gener nah, not generation, this like I'm like our, How he's many not better than our childhood. He's not better than Josh. our childhood things, but I think Mahomes is better than Roethlisberger. Right I now? think he has potential yeah. to. Be, I think he may at this point be better than Aaron Rodgers, and I think he has a chance to maybe be as up there with Tom Brady. I think Mahomes is a really good quarterback. Right, <laughs> right, but the thing that Tom Brady has and that Roethlisberger have and Rodgers have are rings, right? Yes. So Mahomes hasn't done anything. Well, they also have a whole lot more years. Look okay. at what what did Aaron Rodgers do in year one and year two? What did Tom Brady do in year one and year two? Uh, he probably won Brady two won championships. Well. Yeah, he was going to say he probably did. But, I mean, that's I, – I think Mahomes – he's also in Kansas City with Andy Reid. I think those things hurt Mahomes. I don't know why you're dodging the question, Josh. Who is – do you think Lamar Jackson is worse than Patrick Mahomes? Yes. No question. Everyone knows that. Okay. Okay. I just wanted to get, get that on the record for the fans. Yeah. Uh, Josh and Soroka thinks Lamar Jackson's worse than yeah. Patrick Mahomes. You know what? Patrick Mahomes is also better than Joe Flacco. Oh, okay. Going against yeah. your boy. Uh, you want me to throw that there for you? He's the, I mean, I don't know what you want to say. He's a, he's a great quarterback. He's very good. Every team would love to have a Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And, his, and without um, – I've never seen someone make plays – that like a quarterback shouldn't be able to get the ball into this position while he's running in that direction. And then I'll see on the other end, I'll see the receiver pull the ball down. There's, there were some unbelievable catches on Sunday. Yeah. And there were some unbelievable catches for the Ravens too. Like there was a couple backyard, let me run around and throw the ball up in the air. Lamar Jackson was fortunate. He didn't get a couple interceptions there. Yeah, Totally. Yeah, I mean but, that was that was <laughs> exactly it was. People are trying to claim that as like two of his hits, but you know who he's not as good as? He's not as good as Austin Hayes. We got to talk about Austin Hayes when we get to the Orioles, because I'm totally distracted. Because when we I was talking earlier, Austin Hayes was in center field and smashed into the wall and hit his face in the wall and caught the ball and got up screaming, and now he just hit a home run in his next at bat. That's his second home run tonight. So see, Austin Hayes is oh way better gosh. than Lamar Jackson. I'm, I'm all on the Austin Hayes is the best person to ever wear the number 21. No, I'm not a fan of Austin Hayes, but we can get to that. In a, we'll get to that in a little bit. A little bit. Uh, I don't know. Do you have anything else about the Ravens? I mean, it all comes down to the Chiefs are Super Bowl favorites. So oh, sure. if, if we want to go to the Super Bowl, we're going to have to beat the Chiefs. We didn't beat them this time. We're going to have to beat them in January. Hopefully we'll get another shot at them. Hopefully Jimmy Smith will be back. Hopefully our defense will play better. Yeah. Yeah. Put Jimmy Smith well, back, there, our, put back there. If we'll we, be good. 
if we see the Chiefs again, it'll be the third time we've seen them with Pat Mahomes. Yeah, good time last year. It was our only regular season loss last year with uh, Lamar Jackson, and that was a close one too. Yeah, so I think it makes for good games. Yeah, totally. It was a good game. It was a fun game to watch. Any telling that it was their second time going up against Lamar because they saw Lamar last year? Or does it not matter because there's now enough film out on Lamar? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. The, I don't think the he team wasn't really... that he wasn't that great. So you know. Yeah, I mean, but he, that, wasn't, he wasn't terrible. Like I remember when the, he was terrible against the Chargers in the playoffs, right? Right. Yes. And people said Lamar Jackson has been figured out. But no, they, no one's figured him out because he's been fine this year. Yeah, the team didn't fluster him. It was just overthrows. He had too many overthrows. He yeah. was still running good. He was juking people. Oh, my gosh. That poor Okafor or something? Yeah. I think he's still looking for his jock strap over there. Man, broke that guy's ankles. I, I'll, I was watching with my friends, and what we said, all in agreement, all four of us, it was a it was a tough loss, but it was still a fun game to watch. I would take that loss yesterday, watching that game, that I gave up three and a half hours of my life to sit on the couch and watch then uh, 17 to 10 Joe Flacco win watching boring, stupid 17 points on the board. Uh, and you end with a W big deal. I was actually enter- <laughs> I was entertained watching us lose to the chiefs yesterday. And it was a game where you felt like we still had a shot yes. all the way up until the end until the very end. Yeah. Bert, you have become so scarred from Joe Flacco's boring play that it has totally even changed the way you watch and root for football. It's sad to see, man. I I disagree. How is that sad? I'm back watching. You literally said, Bert, you would rather watch a team lose and be ecstatic about it than than have a team win and be boring about it. Well, the difference being, you know, we would win 17-10 against, like, the Jets or something. Yeah, it's a W. But then we're still not going to go to the playoffs. Like, big deal. (laughs) You, You still can't win the games you're supposed to win. Guess what? We were supposed to beat the Dolphins. We were supposed to beat the Cardinals. And we beat them both handily. Uh, right. But the Chiefs, they may go to the Super Bowl. And the fact that they beat us by five points, I'm okay with that. Especially when, like you said, we weren't supposed to win those games. No, we and, were and, supposed to win the Dolphins and Cardinals games. And we right, did. And, we won those. And, and, look, and if we look ahead at the schedule, we got the Browns, the Steelers, the Bengals. We get all three division opponents in the next three weeks. Yeah, I mean a lot could change in the next three weeks, but if we play if but we play well, we should beat all three of those teams pretty handily. Right, those are teams we're supposed to beat. We're already yeah. up on the division two and one. Uh, who else? The the who does that, what? The Browns have one win, and then yeah, everyone, yeah. Browns are one and two, and Bengals and Steelers are both zero and three. They play each other this week, but we're yeah. in a great slot with the division, and if we can win those three games, we've got this division. Yeah, there's no way we win all three of those games. I'll tell you that right now. These are people have already marked in the book that we're beating the Browns on Sunday. I tell you what, these division the games in against, Baltimore with Bill with Billick in the Ring of Honor, good crowd. It's a division game. I'm telling you, these division games are always closer than you think they are. Steelers, Bengals too. These games are always closer than you think they are. I don't think any of these games will be blowouts. I think they're all going to be close, and I think we'll go two two and one in these three games. Which would be fine. We're still sitting in a good position, but I don't think you can just just mark these in the in the win column. I think these are ones that you mark as should wins. I think the division games and their toss ups. Well, we'll see. I mean, after that's the Seahawks and the Patriots. 
That's, yeah. that's where it gets a little tougher. Thankfully, you have to win seven games to win the division the way it's looking. Yeah, no kidding. Right. Uh, all right, we can get somewhere else. All right, where do you want to start? Austin Hayes? Yeah. That's his amazing play? Let's start with Austin Hayes. Yeah, what's your uh, beef with him? I got I got major beef with Austin Hayes. So he's made some spectacular catches. It was cool. Um, last week, you know, comparing the Trout home run to the Austin Hayes home run. It's not just the catching the home run. It's the enthusiasm. It's pumping the chest. Then the next right. day, he had an unbelievable diving catch. It's the fact that he's, like, fast. It's the fact that we haven't seen an actual center fielder play center field for Baltimore since Cedric Mullins left at the beginning of the year. We've been watching, like, Stevie Wilkerson run around out there. Oh, and I guess we watched Broxton for a little bit, too. But but Austin Hayes is just electric. He's young. And then offensively, he does nothing but hit line drives and hits home runs. It's just he's – he's this was coming – this was turning into kind of this lifeless limp here at the end of the season where I'm supposed to be excited that Mark Trumbo is coming back for a month at the end of the season. But like like a shot of – I don't know, a shot of caffeine into the veins mm-hmm. of the Orioles fan base has been – it's been so amazing, so refreshing, so awesome to see Austin Hayes here as, as our center fielder. So what's the beef? Oh, yeah. Here's my beef. Because <laughs> that all sounds positive. I know. What is it? Is it that people like him, or is it something? Or is it the fact that the Orioles didn't bring him up in time? Or it can't? Or you're going to say it can't last? Yeah. Or, or that now this, you have something to watch? It's a fluke. will inevitably disappoint and crush all of us. And let me tell you why. <laughs> Cedric Mullins. No, no, not Cedric Mullins. Here's another name, Nolan Reimold. All right, Austin Hayes was great two years ago and hasn't been healthy for more than like a month straight since then. Austin Hayes has been injured on and off again for the past two years. He's been unable to stay healthy. Every time he plays and gets healthy, he's electric. Yeah. But it's just like a it's just he's like a ticking time bomb before he gets hurt again. And I, I'm concerned that I'm already way too emotionally attached to our center fielder of the future that I'm already penciling him in for next year and the next five years. He's our center fielder when they win the World Series. But I know I'm going to get my hopes crushed because he will get hurt. That's okay. my concern. No, that right. he's had a history you know what of sound like. He would have been up here last year. He would have been up here this entire season if he could just stay stinking healthy. You know what you sound like. What? All the people yelling about Lamar and their fear of Lamar getting hurt. Yeah, He's but quarterback of the future, if he can just stay healthy. Yeah, I know, but Lamar doesn't have an injury history like, uh, and it's always like fluky things. Like, it's not like a, like a bad arm, like Hunter Harvey. It's like I hurt my ankle, I hurt my leg, I hurt my back. It's all kind of weird stuff. It, but yeah, uh, Austin Hayes has been amazing to watch. It's been awesome to watch. He, he should be the Orioles MVP. Is he really? projected center fielder of the future or is he a guy who was brought up here to see what he can do no no, no. two years ago when he had that great off season i mean that great season at Bowie, he, he went from like single a all the way up right. um all the way up through, through through the system two years ago and at that point he was ranked as the top 100 prospect people said whoa this guy has all the tools then last year hurt the entire year and he dropped off all the 100 rankings because he was hurt the whole year this year on again, off again with the injuries. And so, again, he's off the off the top prospects. 
But two years ago, when he was playing up to his capabilities because he was healthy, he was a top 100 prospect. So, yeah, if he's healthy and playing like he can, he's a guy that he like he was a better prospect than Cedric Mullins ever was. He can hit for power. He has speed, as he's shown it. He doesn't have as much speed as Cedric Mullins. He only has this, like the base dealing ability that Cedric Mullins does. But he has speed in center field. Um, he's clearly super athletic. He can hit for power. The real deal. <laughs> hey, Matt. You didn't plug in your laptop before we recorded, did you? You're trying to do this on Wi-Fi again, aren't you? No, I'm plugged in. Oh, okay. Right. You, it, you missed my then, rant? Then it's just your Eastern Shore uh, <laughs> internet. We got most of it. We're good. But what you didn't let know, what you left out of the whole thing, is that Austin Hayes is from Daytona Beach, Florida. I did not know that. So he is down here with me. Local boy. Local boy. He went to Port Orange for high school is where he went to Port Orange, which is where I worked a lot. And he went to Jacksonville University. So... Got to try to find some friends of Austin Hayes while I'm down here. <laughs> Got him one over on the show. Um, the, the most valuable Oriole, Austin Hayes. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, what are you guys' thoughts on Trey Mancini as the Orioles' O, o- MVP? Can I also ask, there's still like a week of the season left. And this was announced earlier this week where there still was like 12 games left. Why don't they wait till the end of the season to announce the MVP of the season? Is that dumb? Because, because they <laughs> give it away at the final home game of the season. Because it's oh, so, so they the get fans a note for that. Can, yeah, so the, the home fans crowd. can cheer for them in front of the home crowd. Yeah. All right, because so, things could change in a couple games. I mean, who else? Would, <laughs> I mean, who else would you give it to? Villar. Honestly, um, Ray Mancini would not be my first choice. John John Means Means would be a good pick. How would you – you guys rank them? You give it to give, Trey because give you're your giving top, it – Give me your top three. Orioles, how, how would you would rank them this year? Oh, gosh. Uh, the other guy I think in discussion, you mentioned VR, Mancini. The other guy I think you can make an ar- argument for has, you know, top five or used to. I don't know where he's sitting now, but certainly top ten batting average in, in all of baseball. Hands are Alberto. Oh, yeah, Alberto. Best average against lefties, played everywhere in the infield, hitting over 300. Well, yeah, Trey Mancini to play every game this year, just about? Yes, most of them. And remember, uh, it's, not, it's not based on stats. Games. I think Jonathan B.R. has played in every single game. Yeah, it's not based on stats, though, remember. What's it yeah, based but, on? It's voted on by the local reporters. But what like are they based it, on? Who they like. Whatever they want. <laughs> they like. they based on stats. No, they don't. They gave it to Adam Jones last year. He didn't have a good year last year. You think Anthony Santander should have won it? I think they give it to whoever they like. I'm I saying, Josh. Based on stats. Josh, Josh, I'm saying, but if you had to make the decision, give me your top three in order, starting with three, working your way up to one. Um, uh, Hanser Alberto. Number three. Um, who's number 14? Uh, Hanser Alberto, Jonathan Means, and, uh, Santander. So, Jonathan VR and Trey Mancini didn't make your top three? Just to clarify. No, no, they didn't. Okay, you're insane. Bert, 
Top three. Uh, Mancini, VR, and Means. Okay, now that's better. For me, just because most valuable Oriole, like who was the most valuable player on this team this year that if we didn't have him, the season would be even worse, which is hard to imagine. And for me, that guy's John Means. Just because our pitching staff was atrocious and he was the single bright spot Amongst all of our pitchers, it was how like many, him. Yeah. How many wins does John Means have? 11. He's 11 and 11 right now. His, all right, so he's got one-fifth of our wins. Yeah, and, and his one, war. One wins. Yeah. If you care well, about war, his war, F-war, is 3.1, which is the same F-war as Trey Mancini, 3.1. Who – but look at who had the second most wins – for the Orioles starting pitching rotation. Oh, someone that had like three or something? No, it's Andrew Kashner, who didn't even play for our team half the season. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, so last person on the team would be Dylan Bundy with six. So John yeah. Means was double any other pitcher. Yeah, so that's why, for me, he's the most valuable. I would I would rank it John Means, then Trey Mancini, then Jonathan VR, then Hansa Alberto, then Anthony Santander, then Austin Hayes. Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm fine with that. I don't. And then Chris I think Davis. They, I think they gave it to Trey Mancini because everyone likes Trey Mancini. They want Trey Mancini to be the face of this organization. He's what? the leader. He's the guy we drafted. He's been in the organization forever, and he stepped up. He led the team in home runs. And yeah, like Josh said, he's the guy that got his face on all the posters. And that's and if you look up the history of the MBO, that's how it goes. That's why Adam Jones always gets it. How come we didn't get it this year? They what tried. Would you do, Josh? They tried. No, Josh, what would you done if, if, if Adam Jones is still the NBO this year? How would you react to I wouldn't be surprised. Everybody... I, I, would, I would care just about as much as I care that Trey Mancini's the most valuable Oriole. It really doesn't matter. We talked about the show for like 10 minutes now. I'm sorry that we've wasted your time. <laughs> but it's, yeah, we're still last place terrible baseball team. Big deal that there's one guy who is the most valuable on a team that's terrible. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't matter. It's a made-up award. I, per, I, you know what I care more about is the MLB player, whoever was like the Orioles MLB player of the year. Yeah, because that is based on stats and performance, not about who's good with the media. Who's who's the most valuable Chicago White Sox? Who's the most valuable San Francisco Giant? Who cares? Nobody cares who the most valuable Orioles except for Oriole fans, and it gives us something to talk about for ten minutes. Well, I'm just saying, according to Fangraphs, <laughs> Jonathan VR has the higher war, 3.7, than Trey Mancini's 3.1. That's all and I'm there's saying. there's certainly an argument, and VR had a had a great season for what is a terrible team, but you don't see any, th- any Jonathan VR posters all along Pratt Street. Yeah, it's because he's not a big, tall, white guy. Well, and he's, he's – you don't – I don't know. Yeah, you don't see his name out there that much. It, but his numbers would prove otherwise. You should see his name a lot more. Well, I think it's partly because also he just came here last year in the trade. His contract's up after next year. So he's not like uh he's always been regarded as just a, a placeholder yeah. or a trade chip. Whereas Trey Mancini was drafted by us, grew up with us. It's just a different scenario. Homegrown. And it's because it's a made-up award so that the media can write about someone they like. Josh, and, so and cynical. Why do you think he? Why do you think he get? He took the award 
and immediately gave it to Mo and said, no, Mo, you're the MVO. Because the award doesn't matter. If he won the Silver Slugger Award, he was not giving that out. He's giving up the crap MVO Award. Okay. If I was playing for the Orioles, I would prefer to win the MVO as opposed to not winning the MVO. <laughs> sure. Sure. This is does, like it, Bert- does it come with a bonus or anything? No. It comes with another 10 articles written about you and pictures. Maybe there's something in his contract. Like if he wins so many MVOs, he gets a bonus. No, they wouldn't do anything based on MVO because MVO is a popularity contest. It's not a stat-driven thing. Some would argue that's how the uh, AL MVP is the same way. Sure. Yeah, but it's stats that get you up in the running. I think it's stats that get you running for the Orioles, Josh. They're not going to pick Sean Armstrong for the most valuable Orioles. They're going to pick a good player. No offense to Sean Armstrong. Armstrong, If Sean Armstrong was good with the media and had a good story, they might. No. if That's Chris, Chris Davis would have won it. Yeah, if Chris Davis would have walked away from the Chris team Davis, and given back a bunch of their money, he'd be the most valuable Oriole, in my Chris opinion. Da- Chris Davis got, like, the Rod- the Clemente Award or whatever. I was yeah. going to say the Roger Clemente Award, but I know it's not Roger. That's a different Clement. Roberto, yeah. Roberto. Because he's a favorite. What, he, he got an award? What's the Roberto Clemente Award honor? For uh, doing good in the community? Good in the community. Oh, okay. Yeah, you but, fools. Well, that's about that's about the only thing he was good for this year, visiting children in the hospital, saving children's lives. Remember, you didn't see, didn't you go to the that game? Oh, he didn't hit dongs. He got he got that dong on Sunday. Yeah, stop it with that one home run he got on Sunday, and now everybody's all on board with him again. Yeah, hey, bring bring him back. He got a home run. Did yeah. you see Chris Davis's last home game? I hope so. I don't think so. To quote Michael Elias, Michael Elias says he expects him to be back next year. Are they, I think they expect him to be the spring training to show, see if he can do anything because they're still paying for him. But uh, he's going to have to make the team, I think. Yeah, he needs to come back in, in to Sarasota in February because we haven't seen enough over the last three years. He might show us something else in the four weeks he's in Florida. I know, so it's a, a spring training tryout for him because you don't know what you get with Chris Davis? I think Michael Elias is paying lip service because it's the end of the season, end of a crappy season. Oh, yeah, we'll definitely plan on seeing him in spring training. I think he probably told B.J. Serhoff the same thing three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know what, I think I think Chris Davis will be back next year. I, I Based on Michael Isis' comments, I think he'll be back next year for the majority, if not the entire season. But if he's not, do you think anybody's going to get on Michael Isis' case about, oh, well, uh, in September you said you expect to see him back? Or are they going to get mad at him if he doesn't, if he gets cut and say he's not a man of his word? I think the only people are going to get mad are the people are already mad at him for firing all these people like B.J. Surhoff. Yeah, because we all relied on B.J. Surhoff. Uh, to be good. No, but you know who are mad? People like Dan Connolly, uh, Rock Kubako, some of these reporters who kind of like BJ Surhoff. Uh, <laughs> they're cool. unhappy about this. Yeah, it's not fun to go and interview computer nerds about what you're seeing. They <laughs> want to interview these former players. Yeah, so we can get there. BJ Surhoff was ticked. I don't know if you have any quotes of BJ Surhoff. Sure, I got he, one right here. He's ticked about the. Yeah, you go ahead and read the quote. This BJ Surhoff, by the way, was fired by McElias this past week. Yeah. Raise your hand if you knew B.J. Sitterhoff worked for the Orioles. I did. I didn't know Ryan Miner and Jeff Manto worked for the Orioles. Oh, I see. <laughs> I know those guys did. I didn't know B.J. Sitterhoff did. I, I, I knew because we saw B.J. Sitterhoff in Sarasota the last time we were there, but that was three or four years ago. Okay. 
Uh, so the fact that he was still employed by the Orioles, I wouldn't have known that. And I knew that Ryan Miner was still employed because when I was working at Salisbury Middle School, he would come and substitute teach. And, <laughs> and then I thought, right. well, what's Ryan Miner up to? And I found out he was managing um, down there in Delmarva. Okay, go ahead. All right, BJ Serhoff said, I'm not happy, not at all, that they don't see a value in what I do. And they'll spin it in some other way, a reallocation of resources and new people, a different and fresh set of ideas. Okay, except my eyes have 35 years of experience in pro ball. ball. There, um, this you want more from him? I got, I got more. Here. Well, just real quick on that, I to to Michael Eisen's defense, I don't think he's even trying to spin it. Like I think, no. I think he's being upfront and honest with you. He's not trying to spin anything. Like he's pretty straightforward, a straight shooter here. But go ahead, yeah. Josh. I uh, Sir Hoff continues. He just said that my contract wasn't going to be renewed. Oh, wasn't fired. Yeah. Just wasn't renewed. The Orioles were going to do something. Some different things and consultation wasn't really valued because I was considered a consultant, a part-timer. I I was basically told that I'm not capable of doing the job. And I would argue to the contrary that I am more than capable and, in fact, probably overqualified to do the job I was doing. I'm not oblivious to what's going on. If the information and opportunity to understand what the changes are and what they are trying to implement aren't presented to you, then you don't have a chance to help in that way. So basically, I guess he's saying it, no one showed me analytics and taught me analytics, so I can't teach it to the players. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's my take on it. B.J. Seroff has, is a prof- was a professional baseball player and a really good one. Played multiple positions, but catcher played the field, was a gr- was a really good player. Yeah. Um, if someone fired me when I have that resume, that track record, and you fire me and you know they're just going to hire a bunch of nerds to look at computer screens in my place, I would be pissed off too. I, I have been fired my fair share of times. And every time I'm fired, I think they're idiots. They don't know what they have in me. They're like, it's a mistake on their part and I'm angry and bitter about it. So anyone who gets on BJ Serhoff for being angry and bitter, like, shut up, dude. Like BJ Serhoff has every right to be annoyed, every right to be angry with his resume, especially. Um, So I am okay with BJ Serhoff going off and being pissed about this. Sure. But times are changing, man. Yes. With all that. Not just, and not just in the Orioles. Baseball. You know, the the analytics, the computer nerds, uh, they're finding that that is working and the old ways aren't as good anymore. And right. It makes DJ Charles part of the old ways. Right. It, baseball is just going through changes like every under every other industry does where computers go in and replace like the steel workers or whatever. Yeah. And you can. Yeah. And how long right. how long has he been in his position as a what? trainer scout whatever his title is and he, consultant hitting coach or something yeah yeah but and how, he's a part-timer i don't know yeah but but here's the thing guys what's what's his, what's he got on his resume at that position we made what? the playoffs three times a few years ago we had a was he around for the 14 year drought like yeah you know produce some results and you keep your job yeah and this is why michael Elias is seeing very little criticism from firing someone who was a fan favorite when he played here is because the track record shows that changes need to be made. Yes. 
Mike Elias was not did not come in here just to sign different players at the major level. Mike Elias was hired to totally redo how we run our organization. Yes. And so this is what we signed up for. And BJ Suroff should have saw the writing on the wall the second Mike Elias was hired. With that said, it does if you're if you're Mike Elias, your whole thing is finding kind of the best swing possible, kind of streamlining this approach so every player throughout the minors like is getting the same instruction. It doesn't make sense to kind of have this um, this this maverick hitting coach old walking around old school teaching his player on the side their own individual way. Like that defeats what Michael Elias I think is trying to do. Michael Elias is trying to streamline things so every player kind of gets this similar message, and you don't have this one coach on the side saying, "Yeah, I, yeah, I know this is you know I know they do the uppercut swing here, but but here here's what worked for me when I played." Yeah. Like he's trying to get away from that and more and more streamlined. And so BJ Suroff is not needed in this capacity. Right. Um, it's so, not it's not the mid '90s Major League Baseball anymore. Yeah. So I get what Michael Elias is doing, um, and I get why BJ Suroff is pissed off about it. Sure. Um, uh, but but uh, this is why we brought Michael Elias here. I'm okay um, with it. I if he can be salty about it, and he has every right to be, but and, you know, we're trying to win a World Series here. Yeah, and listen, if Michael, if this doesn't work, like if we, and I know Michael Elias is already bragging that Cody Stedlock's strikeout rate went up under his tutelage, but if if this doesn't work out, if Michael Elias is not successful in three, four years, then we are going to come. I'm going to come on here every single week and crush Mike Elias. And make fun of this stupid Mike Walk with Elias T-shirt every single episode for the rest of my life, uh, right? Because we brought him in here to turn around, and so far he's got a minor leaguer who has a nicer strikeout rate, and that's what he's bragging about right now because he can't brag about anything that's happening at the majors. Shoot, he can't even brag about Allison Hayes because that was Dan Duquette's boy. Well, uh, yeah, and. I do like I, – I think this is kind of telling on part of it, the thing with Elias coming in is he doesn't really know B.J. Surhoff and kind of what he means to Oriole fans and as an Oriole representative because he he did tell Surhoff at the end uh, that he is welcome at Camden Yards anytime he'd like to come. And Surhoff kind of just laughed about that. And I think that's kind of telling that Elias – is knows the his knows BJ Surhoff's stat lines and has looked at that and knows what he does, but doesn't know like former Oriole what he means to the fans and stuff. I guess not that that should matter at this point, but it'll be interesting to see kind of what they do, how they fill all these voids. I mean, they fired over 30 people now. It'll be interesting to see what they do, who they bring in, because you still need someone that's going to work with these guys. Yeah, and they brought in like they brought in Matt Blood. They brought in a couple guys. Um, right, but they can't all yeah. be Buck Britton. Right. Well, they already had Buck Britton. Yeah, I know, but they promoted him, right? I think it's just a temporary promotion. Yeah. Oh, okay. To the major. But like, yeah. uh, Mancini contributes Serhoff a lot for helping him make the transition to first base. And I'm I'm okay with all this, Josh. So. 
Okay. But if Michael Elias touches Alan Mills at all, if he so much <laughs> as sniffs in Alan Mills' direction, I'm going to be ticked off. Alan Do Mills. what you want BJ Suroff, Michael Elias, but stay away from Alan Mills. Alan Mills, John Waston, and uh, Mike Griffin, and all of the Tide staff have all been invited back for 2020. Oh, good news. They haven't announced the Major League staff, uh, staff though, right? No. Brady we don't Anderson, know Hyde's coming back. We Brady don't Anderson know. stays on as strength and conditioning consultant. And yeah. uh, Mike strength Bordick. Strength and conditioning consultant. We know right. what that means. Hey, yeah. I, I, Brady Anderson is doing something right. The man still looks fantastic. <laughs> it, I'm okay with him being a strength and conditioning coach. I wish he would strength and condition me. Not, not only that, but he is the only guy like high up who was retained through all these firings. So somehow he has the right connections to keep his body in great shape yeah. to look like he's 30 and to never get fired. It's like he's friends with the owner or something. Sleeping it's almost like, yeah. He's, or maybe he has some pictures on his laptop. Something, because he's also kind of disappeared. He's getting a paycheck from the Orioles to stay away, apparently. And he's never mentioned anywhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm surprised you found that little where, – where was that tidbit that he's retaining as a strength, strength and conditioning coach? Oh, Dan Connolly. Because Dan Connolly's taking out his anger at the Orioles. He's pulling that stuff out. Yeah, he's annoyed. Dan Connolly's annoyed. You'll be all right, Dan. I don't understand all the hubbub about firing these guys because they were hometown guys. They are former Orioles from the glory days and stuff. Are we or are we not trying to win a World Series here? Because otherwise we'll just keep a whole roster of let's, yeah. let's rehire the 97 Orioles as coaches. And everyone can feel good and rub their tummies and be all so happy, but we're still going to be terrible. I want to win a freaking World Series, and I don't care who's coaching the team. If it's a whole set of computers, as long as it ends up with a ring and an Orioles jersey, I'm okay with it. You know what? And, you, and the you, thing you, is, we knew that in 2011 or 12, whatever, right before Buck Showalter was hired, because you know who also interviewed for that position was Rick Dempsey. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But someone said, wait a minute, I'd rather win – then have a great story in Rick Dempsey, right? Yeah. Oh, and you and cause because the Bozo Facebook Oriole fans, they all wanted Rick Dempsey to be the manager yeah. of the Orioles. Yeah. What a disaster that would have been. Because everyone love I love Rick Dempsey. I he's, love Rick Dempsey. He's great on television, but that's where he stays. He doesn't belong anywhere near running the organization. Yeah. Yep. But uh but I think Bert's changed my mind. I don't care about the World Series anymore. I just want a stadium full of people rubbing their belly. <laughs> Oh, oh, we've kept B.J. Serhoff, but we're still terrible. Give me a break. Win me a World Series. Can I tell a quick story about going to Saturday's game? Yeah, you can. And then, I'm, uh, yeah, I won't play the music then. I was about to play the music to wrap it up. All right. Um, it was a packed house, guys. It was. Uh, we, it was. It was the coolest game. There was two moments where I look at past the season, two moments where I was really proud of the fans. Saturday, I was really proud of the fans for showing up and supporting the team. Um, it was like 23,000 people there, like 23 or 22,000, but it felt like 100,000 based on what we were experiencing earlier this year. The other spot that, by the way, that I was really proud of Oriole fans right. is when we gave a standing ovation to Manny Machado. When people told me, no, we're going to boo Manny, I went to the game. We gave him a standing ovation. That was awesome. Okay. Yeah. All right. But anyway, we're at the game. My dad and I, we drive together. We get there. I got Silas in the back seat. We get there. I got to change the whole car seat from my car into dad's car just so dad could drive. It's kind of a, whatever. That's not part of the story. I get there uh, at 630, right? Half hour before game time, 
we go in our BC lot. There's no parking. There's no parking in the BC lot. Um, we drove in that back spot with all the handicaps. How, how, can, you, how can they fill it up if you got a parking pass? I know. Finally, we found one spot at the electric charging station. I don't know if you're allowed to park there, but we parked at the electric charging station. And you know what happened? We, we parked there, too. And the car next to us? was actually charging at the electric charging station. I've never seen a car actually charging at one of those things. But anyway, we parked in the electric charging station. Is that legal, by the way, to do? Or can, can you get a ticket for parking there? Well, you're in a, at that time point, I believe you're in a private parking lot, so I think you're fine. Okay. Because you had to use your parking pass. Yeah, and there's, no for sign that, there's no sign that says no parking, only electric vehicles. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we, 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 we get up there. We, we, we walk by the line to the ticket office. You know, there's, there's 100 people in this line. It's ridiculously long. My dad and I are, like, blown away that so many people are here on a Saturday. Um, we're thankful that because, you know, we uh, my dad thought about bringing, you know, his wife, who is also my mom, coincidentally. And <laughs> we, we would have had to. Imagine that. We would have had to get in a ticket, and we're like, we're, we're, we're glad we didn't bring her because we would have had to wait in this long line to get a ticket. Why was it, why was it so crowded? I don't, it's Saturday, blanket giveaway. Last it's Saturday, like, oh. it's like the 20,000 people who would show up for the blanket giveaway and then just leave actually stayed for the they game. They all stayed, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we, we walk through security. They go to check our tickets off. My dad's right ahead of me, and he can't get through with his ticket. It won't go off. It, like, the thing won't go. And... And then the guy looks at the ticket, and Dad brought the wrong tickets to the wrong game. He brought a ticket from, like, last month against the Royals. For the, to get into the stadium? Yeah, and so they won't let us <laughs> in because we got the wrong ticket. So they, they say we got to go back to the ticket office, wait in that long line to get our ticket again. So we talked to, and you know. Why didn't you just pull father. them up on your phone? Oh, we could have done that. Or you could have texted me, and I would have sent you your tickets like I sent them to Bert. I never even thought about that. <laughs> okay, continue with that, your story. That I would have been a, blew your mind, but go on. That would have been a, a, a that would have been a good option because you know. But we talked to a couple people, and you know how Dad is. He's he's ticked about this. He's ticked about having to park in an electric spot, about all the parking. There was a guy going really slow in the parking spot, driving an old van. He was ticked about that. Like yeah, people are there's no spot. What are you driving slow for? Anyway, so he's irritated. We talked to like a manager who's out there by, by, by the ticket office, and we said, you know, we're season ticket holders. He said, you know what? No, you, you still got to wait in the same line that everybody else does. Um, no special treatment for you. And so we're waiting there. And I said, hey, Dad, how about we check around, you know, the other side of Utah Street? And because you got to get more options, more ticket booths over there. So we start walking around over there, and the line is around the building, around that museum building that no one ever goes in. Uh, it goes around that, that that building. This is a disaster. But we end up walking by Fan Assistance. And so we just walk in the Fan Assistance Center right there on the side of of um, the warehouse. They let us right in. There's a lady sitting at a desk just all by herself. We go talk to her. She gives us three uh, three tickets or two tickets. And we walk right into the stadium and get our blankets. Good for you. So, right. so the story is you brought the wrong tickets. Well, they should have told us to begin with to go to the fan assistance center right there um, in the middle of the warehouse. And they were as sweet as can be. And we didn't have to wait in those long ticket lines. It was a happy happy ending to All what right. was almost a disastrous story. Was but it next time I'll just text you. 
Was it fun to have a big crowd in the stadium? Oh, it was it was electric. I had to wait 20 minutes for a beer. That was not fun, but it was because they're not prepared for the big crowd. Yeah, um, and it was even like self serve. How does self serve beer take 20 minutes? Whatever. But the you know, but it was it was awesome to have. And and, and the thing is too, I turned to dad. It was a one and two count. Fans were like cheering for a strikeout. And the amazing thing was there was no get loud on the Jumbotron. We were just getting loud because the fans were into the game, which makes me so happy. It was a fun last game. I'm yeah. ready for the season to be over. And then <laughs> <laughs> it was, it, uh, yeah. Um, so it was, it was fun. I, every, I, I did not see, we, we went to the one game where Austin Hayes did not have an amazing catch. He just had some average catches. But he hit a home run. Yeah. After after we left, after, after I left. left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he hit the game tying home run in the eighth inning. Yeah. The game should have ended there. <laughs> All right, Josh, you can play the music now. All right, good, because I got to get out of here. I have hung up on Ken McCusick three times now because we were supposed to start the, the film study podcast at 9 o'clock. Uh oh. So, seven minutes late. I'm seven minutes late to film study. It's going to be fun. It means a late night of editing, 336, and uh, film study back to that. I bet film study is pro go for two every time. That's uh, an, an analytics, baby. I bet he's all about Tonight's the defense, show, so it's going to be a lot of fun talking about how we suck. Yeah. So, all right, get your out there. That guy's a bum. I thought he was supposed to be good. All right, all right we close, got close it. it out. All right, I'm closing it out. Get rid of it. Don't hang up on Kennedy anymore. I'm closing it out. You can follow us on all your social media sites. Follow me at Section336. Follow Bert at Bert Rohde. And follow Josh at Josh Roker. Thanks for listening, boys and girls. And as always, go Ravens. And go Austin Hayes. Don't get hurt. Yeah.